like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. Uh, we've, we've, uh, we've, 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 Heather, what are we talking about today? I was, I, I was going to try to say something clever, but eh, I don't have anything. Um, I hope, well, I hope listeners don't I believe thought we'd, Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about some social risks and, and things to help kids include people, because I think the part of when I get, when I go to, uh, conferences and give workshops on the topic of rejection and social rejection and why we should let kids, you know, not be forced to play with somebody. This is the time when the whole room gets super quiet and people start shifting in their seats and getting really (laughs) uncomfortable. Um, It's not a topic that, that we really want to look at in the face. So since this is renegade rules, I thought we should look at it in the face. Let's look at it. I got rejected so much when I was a kid, um, and I'm cool with it. Um, you know, Tasha finally decided I was good enough and settled for me, so everything turned out okay. But I mean, yeah, I, you only need one life partner, so yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, didn't matter how many rejections before that. Well, one of the key things with with rejection, which is that you can develop resiliency. I mean, I see a lot of adults not wanting to say no to a child just because they don't want them to possibly feel bad or mm-hmm. feel sad for a moment or that, that they're, they say, oh, they're sensitive. And well, there are kids who will cry faster at a drop of a hat than others. Um, and it depends also what mood the child's in and how recently they've had food and everything else. Um, but I really don't think that having a label of being sensitive or um, the fact that you don't want to cope with somebody else's tears is a reason to sidestep some of this. Um, there's skills that everybody needs to knock around a little bit with in life and and know what it feels like to not always be included and, and maybe what you can do next time to um, change that situation, but also to learn that you can cope with those kind of ugly feelings because face it, that's something that we all have to do um, throughout life, whether we're three or whether we're a bit older than that. Yeah. And in getting some practice at it when you are three and four kind of inoculates you a bit towards it when you're dealing with, I don't know, bigger rejections uh, as you as you get older and, uh, and and spend more time out in the world out of the safe haven of your of your family or yeah. your early learning program. And I think that inoculation think is, oh, go ahead. 
Mm-hmm. I just say the feeling is still just as big. You know, if you're being rejected when you're three because you want to play a game that, that somebody else is doing and you're not included in it, that the feeling feels just as big and just as painful as it does later, even though if you look over the course of your whole life, you'll say, well, the time I was rejected when I wanted to marry that person was a bigger deal than the time I couldn't play blocks when I was four. But the feeling feels the same. So we just need to acknowledge that it's, it's a feeling. It's a real feeling. It's a big feeling. It's sometimes a really bad feeling. But it's, it's just the same as any other feeling we have throughout life like that. So yeah, let's get some practice in a safe place with supporting adults. And I think here's the key is that young kids really pick up on our vibe. So if we're making a big deal about it, they're going to notice. Whereas if we're pretty calm, it's like, oh, looks like they don't want to play right now. Then it's not such, it, 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 they realize, oh, this is like, oh, we're out of milk. You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Oh, we're out of milk. The whole family's going to fall apart now. And well, sometimes that happens. Well, yeah, because <laughs> because little Connie doesn't have milk for her Fruit Loops, and and uh, that starts the whole morning out wrong, and then and then the day is ruined for her at preschool and for for mom and dad when they head to work and and are are still dealing with repercussions of the meltdown and and all those kind of things. But in in those moments, it is a very intense thing, and we all live through it. Yeah, but I think, you know, it's really key how we, our tone of voice and how we react and how big a deal we make out of it, because if it's really like saying we're out of milk, they can learn that, okay, sometimes there's no milk in the fridge, I can't have the milk. Right now, I want to be with Joey playing with the blocks, but I can't right now. Just realizing that, okay, this is not an end of the world statement that I'm getting from the adult. This is something that is a tr- something true, something I don't like that's going on, but it's not going to crush my world. Yeah, yeah. And so here's another side of rejection. And this is a part that I feel like we don't emphasize as much, which is as we practice coping with these difficult feelings, just as importantly, we're learning the skills of inclusion by coping with with social risk and social rejection. It's all tied up with another part of my book, It's Okay Not to Share. There's a whole section on social rejection, but there's also sections on setting limits. And these are primarily, you know, geared for the adults to say, okay, I need to, how do you set a limit? What's a reasonable limit? You know, how do you do that? But really, kids are learning to set limits on each other all the time. And that's part of how we can guide them. And I strongly feel that the art of setting limits, which begins with little kids, and the kids setting limits on each other and on on adults around them even, um, is, is totally tied up with the ability to include other people. So we may say we don't want to spend time with somebody right now, but we also often, the reason a lot of kids reject is that they're afraid the person who's going to join the game or sit next to them or whatever it is, is going to do something they don't like. You know, Mm -hmm. they're going to hurt them. They're going to scare them. They're going to mess up their paper. They're going (laughs) to drool, whatever it is. They don't, there's something going on that they're saying no to because they really want to say no to a behavior. They want to set a limit like, yes, you can join me, but not if you color in my paper or not if you take my red crayon the way you did yesterday or not if you push me or not if you, you know, not if you're going to be the mom in this story because I'm the mom in this Uh story or setting a limit 
on somebody coming in is a huge skill. And I just wanted to um, uh, tell a story about this. There's the, the childhood preschool schools for young children where I went to school and where the, the inspiration for my books is based. They are really successful in helping kids learn how to set boundaries and set limits on other children. And the upshot of that is it's a, it becomes second nature life skill for many kids as they grow. Mm -hmm. So one of the girls who graduated from SYC preschool went on into elementary school. She was so comfortable um, with setting limits that when a new girl came to her class who had a lot of um, behavior issues that were scaring off the other kids from making friends with her, she, she was coping with um, stuff going on at home that was making her do things like hit people <laughs> and push people and bite people and doing things that um, she was probably about eight. I mean, they were in elementary school, but she was doing things that really were not enamoring her <laughs> uh -huh. to the other kids. And she, but she desperately needed a friend, you know, she desperately wanted a friend and she would go around jumping on people and pushing on people, trying to get them to play with her. And mm -hmm. they all rejected her until she came to the girl who had graduated from school for young children preschool and this girl when when she was approached said yes I will play with you if you don't jump on me and if you don't push me and set down the rules <laughs> I, yes I'll play with you I will be your friend but you can't do this this and this and the other girl said okay uh-huh and they played together and that actually I mean that was just a one-time thing but it actually developed through the course of the school year that they did become true friends and that saved um, you said the girl that was new. It really was a huge boost in her life to have yeah. succeeded in gaining a friend. So that's what I mean by, okay, rejection is a lot of times self-preservation. I need to push you away because I'm not sure what you're going to do to me. But if you can learn how to set boundaries and be very specific about them and realize a kid can do this, you can stand up for yourself and set a boundary, that can really just be the path to inclusion, which is something that, that we can all get better at. Well, it, it really is a practice in, in negotiating skills at, at its core, isn't it? I mean, that, that give and take of, of, of social interaction and being, being able to put yourself out there and, and say, hey, this is, this is what I can accept and this is what I can't is, I mean, for three-year-olds, it's hard. For five-year-olds, it's difficult. And for, for adults, we still struggle with it sometimes. Well, I mean, I do. I don't know about anybody else. They, well, they you know, take. I think it's not that hard if we make it second nature. So it's, it is hard for most adults because we haven't really uh, had a lot of practice with it. Uh -huh. But when you start off having adults model this around you and having adults help you form the words when you're yeah. three and four and five and six, it's actually not that hard. If you have a supportive grown-up next to you saying, you know, um, Sarah wants to play with you, what, um, what, what do you need to make sure that, so that you feel safe when she joins your game? If you get somebody to help you guide through that, it's not too terribly difficult because usually the, the young kids know exactly what they don't want. Don't yell at me. Don't be uh -huh. too loud. Don't throw the blocks. Don't, whatever it is, they know. They can't always say it in the right words. Mm -hmm. But you can help them, you know, I, is there something you're worried about? What is Sarah going to do to you if she joins your game? She's going to splash me. Oh, uh, is she gonna, are you going to splash her? No, I'm not. But just 
getting it out there. Uh-huh. And then it becomes second nature. So yeah, it's, I think it's toughest for the, the big people. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's like the uh, three-legged dog that lives up the street from me, right? This, this dog runs around, this is a little thing, uh, runs around on three legs because it's always had three legs and it's second nature to it for it to run around the neighborhood on three legs um, because that's, that's, that's just how it's always been. And if, if children grow up with, with these skills you're talking about, surrounding them, immersed in them, it, it, they, they get around as good as the dog. Yeah, yeah. and it, it does um, it does really carry through life. These are these are skills you don't drop the minute you finish preschool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these are life <laughs> skills. And you know, I, I just want to tell you another story. I reconnected with my old fourth and fifth grade elementary teacher a couple of years ago when my um, second book came out. It's okay uh-huh. to go up the slide. I dedicated it to my elementary school teachers. And I sent out little notes tracking them down, and one of them answered, and uh, she was living in Florida and flew up for the book launch. So after not having seen her since I was 10 years old, you know, 40 years later, there she was. So it's interesting. Now I I see her a couple times a year when I go home, and I've been hearing stories from my fourth and fifth grade class time that I had no idea Uh, what the repercussions were. So here's another story (laughs) of inclusion. Um, And I don't think at age 10, I was quite as good as the the little girl who was able to say, if you don't push me, you don't do this, you know, then you can play with me. I don't think I was quite as savvy at that age. (laughs) But I I was I was doing okay, because I've been brought up in the same, same uh, uh, way. Yeah. And when you give kids the chance to make Um, inclusive choices and maybe even um, give them some ideas about what they can think about. Some amazing things can happen. So I remember when I was 10, we had a little book discussion group. You know, we'd read a book and we'd ask each other questions and so on. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, I read a book about making pies. So my teacher said, can you make a pie? And I said, yes, because we had apple trees and we made a lot of pies. (laughs) So she she was a little surprised. She said, okay, can you make a pie tomorrow in class? And I said, sure. So um, she reserved the school oven and I brought in the apples and the the pie crust stuff. Mm -hmm. She said, I want you to choose I think it was five kids in the class to be your helpers. And then I th- she told that in front of the whole class, but then privately, I think she must have said a word about, think about you know, who you can include. And I remember really pondering my choice because I had been given really the power of the teachers to yeah. include or exclude. It's a lot of power. And I, yeah, it is a lot of power. And I, had, I knew maybe instinctively, maybe somebody told me, but not to choose all my friends. I figured, okay, I'll choose one of my best friends because uh-huh. I can do that. But then everybody else, I should kind of be representative. So I, I even chose a boy. Oh. I mean, this is really radical. <laughs> <laughs> but, but one of the girls that I chose, I didn't know very well, was very quiet, and she wasn't a good reader. And I learned, all I remember is that we made the pie. That's where my memory ends. But my teacher, 40 years later, said, do you remember choosing Shirley. And I said, yeah, I kind of do. I mean, she was nice. I didn't, didn't know her very well. And she said, you, you wouldn't believe what happened after she got to make that pie. Um, you know, she was reading at a much lower grade level, years below where she was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And 
as soon as she was part of that pie making group, she started to um, read and participate in in the book clubs and um, you know discussions, and that it just opened things up for her socially. And I thought, huh, I never do that. I mean, you never know where your inclusion is going to lead, but it can have powerful impacts on other people's lives. Uh, I love that story, Heather. It's. I, I, this is something I, I struggle with myself. It's so, it's so easy to just stay in the comfort of what you're comfortable with and who you're comfortable with. And so that, and I'm talking as an adult, mostly now that, that whole inclusion of, of kind of allowing other people into your in group or your activity or your project is kind of a challenging thing. And I think this goes on. I kind of see this in, in early learning settings um, to kind of drift towards the the training and staff development and stuff that goes on in programs, a lot of times it takes a new person in a program a long time to settle in and feel like they're part of the team. And if programs were a little bit more thoughtful about how they onboarded new staff to make them feel included, to make them feel part of the pie building, pie making team, uh, I think uh, a lot of the struggles that programs deal with with staffing would would be reduced if 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 there was more more thoughtful effort made along those lines because a lot of times I think it it ends up being kind of haphazard and and just kind of left to left to whim. Yeah. So for the young kids, you know, don't be worried if they are wanting to just play with one friend. Um, or if they're needing some help setting a boundary to be able to include somebody. But as an adult yourself, uh, you know, see how you can reach out and include a little bit more. And sometimes including is quite uncomfortable. I remember, um, and this is back to parents and kids, or I, I think it's important how we model as adults, including other people for our kids to watch. I mean, how we go about living our adult lives. So my mother used to reach out to what we might say is the lonely hearts of the world. Uh So the man across the street who was a widower would always be invited to every school concert I ever had. Uh (laughs) And he would arrive with his pocket handkerchief tucked into his breast pocket and his dapper hat with a feather. I mean, he would dress up to the nines for some elementary school (laughs) performance. Um, but it's made his week, you know, to have something like this. And, uh, we didn't know him that well, but he always Uh wanted to be part of things. And she would take me to nursing homes and, um, we'd visit maybe the one person we knew, but then she said, now walk up and down the halls and wave and smile at everybody. (laughs) And I say, I don't feel like waving. I don't, I don't like, you know, the (laughs) the places were kind of a a little um, scary to me when I was five or six, you know, some people had strange uh, looks or strange Mm -hmm. smells or whatever they were doing was, was a little bit scary to me. But she said um, a lot of older people just like seeing a young face. Mm-hmm. So the least you, I know you might not be comfortable, but the least you can do is, you know, look at them and give them a wave or something. And so e- even um, the people around us, how they model including people can make a big impact on kids. It's not just kid to kid. It's, it's everything we do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for us putting ourselves out there a little bit more and trying to be inclusive, like you're talking about, it really does open us up to different perspectives of, 
of, of all kinds of things. And that kind of broadens our, our kind of experience and, and kind of outlook on life as well. Yeah. So Any- there's lots more to dig into on this topic, but I really encourage you if you're interested in, well, how can I do this in a respectful way? How can I uh, reject, but sort of respectfully, or how can I help kids gain these skills to include? Just dive into It's Okay Not to Share. There's a huge section on that. And uh, when I come out to conferences, I also can dive into this section, which will make the room very yeah. still and quiet for a while. <laughs> but then it gets people thinking and get yeah. going. So yeah, dive into this. We can't cover it in just one session. Excellent. Any more on this one before we wrap it up, Heather? No, it sounds good. Excellent. Hey, this has been Renegade Rules. Find Heather at heathershoemaker.com. You can find me over at playvolutionhq.com and share the show with a friend. We like it when you do that. And it, it, it means a lot to us that you think the show is worth sharing. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. And check mark. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy... Whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.